three, two, one. Oh my goodness. Good morning, good afternoon, whatever it is for you. I hope you're having a fantastic day. My name is Zach Schaumler. This is Strong Opinion Sports, episode 467. And joining me today is that franchise guy, Marcus Whitman. Marcus, how are you? I'm doing great, man. I'm still jealous that you're out in warm weather, man. Uh, we got <laughs> record colds this year. I thought my limbs were going to freeze off, um, but, you know, just got to do what you got to do when you live in Minnesota. So I will be, I'll be in Minnesota in September, and I hope to see you. Because that's the best time of year is like right at the beginning of fall. Minnesota is beautiful in the summer. And, uh, oh, my God. It, it makes the winters worth it. Yeah. So, yeah, you, you were telling me, man, you're doing the road trip. You're going to come up. We're going we're gonna to smash a couple beers and talk football. Let's, let's make it happen. Dude, I can't wait. It's so nice to talk to another person about football that's like actually informed. I'm so excited for this. By the way, this is the first time you and I have talked like other than texting since you got married. Congrats on getting married. I hope you're doing well. You're like a real man with responsibilities and a wife and stuff. Oh my gosh! Thank you, I appreciate it. Yep, married life is uh, it's, it's definitely a little different, but I think responsibilities and and you just you have another <laughs> person that is you basically. So it's just two in one. It's 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 been wild, but thank you. Yeah, dude, well done. Um, well, you're here mostly to talk about the Green Bay Packers. I got a couple other questions, but I. Can we just start by asking? I, I made a video. I literally came out like an hour or two ago about the Green Bay Packers season, and I said it was a failed season. Despite a lot of stuff going really well, Aaron Rodgers won the MVP. They won their division, number one seed. Uh, Eric Stokes was a great draft pick. Josh Myers was a great draft pick. Like, they nailed a lot of stuff. But I think expectations were Super Bowl or bust. Do you agree with that? Am I crazy? Was it a failed season? What is your take? So I definitely... I, I listened to to the video and I, I agree with everything you said. Um, I think I think failure is a little bit sure. harsh, and I'll, I'll explain that. But uh, definitely a disappointment by what the uh, expectations were once you got to the end of this of the season. They were Super Bowl favorites, first seed in the NFC. Rodgers coming off an MVP, um, but the season as a whole, when you take everything in, to, to call it a failure, I think is a little bit harsh because. You mentioned coming into the year, I think you said you had him going 12-4. and four. I definitely had him uh, in, in that same ballpark. But going into the year, what if I told you that they would miss three all-pro players at critical positions? David Bakhtiari, Zadarius Smith, and Jair Alexander. We're going to miss essentially the entire season. Jair and, and um, Z played the first couple of games, and then we're out. Then on top of that, Elton Jenkins who even the year before was receiving Pro Bowl considerations, comes in, was having an all-pro caliber season at left tackle, filling in for David Bakhtiari. He goes down with an ACL injury halfway through the season. Robert Tunyon, you know, he's not a superstar, but when you're talking about a team that really leans into Devontae Adams and his ability as a receiver, they need other options. Uh, and not to mention his backup, Josiah DeGuara, had a critical drop in the NFC or uh, in the divisional round against the Niners on third down that killed a drive. So you're missing those five players. And then on top of that, what if I told you when you get to the playoffs, you're going to be out Marquez Valdez Scantling, who I kid you not is the only receiver on this team capable of creating separation, not named Devontae Adams. And A.J. Dillon was going to go down in the first quarter, who was a huge part of that game plan. They were just running Aaron Jones, who is not physically capable of a power running game, into a brick wall for the entire second and third quarters. So nobody wants to hear the injury excuse. 
ever, but look at look at the, the most recent Super Bowl champions. Look at the four teams that were in the, the, the conference championship round. Getting hot and healthy is so important. So when you add that context, they still had an amazing season. So to call the season as a whole a failure, I think, is is pretty harsh. Now, they certainly had individual failures inside the season. Yeah. So most notably to me is the the special team situation. I was watching, you know, they had a lot of games. Uh, the, the Bengals game, they almost lost with a bunch of missed field goals. The Kansas City Chiefs, when Jordan Love started, uh, if it weren't for special teams in that game, Jordan Love would have at least been tied in the fourth quarter. Um, but the Chicago Bears game, like week 13, I was watching it with my wife. She's a Bears fan. She was loving it. Uh, the Bears were returning every kick for like 45 yards plus. I think they had a couple touchdowns on like punts and kicks. Uh, the Packers also muffed a punt. Uh, that gave them an easy touchdown on like the 10 yard line. And I was sitting there, I was like trying to stay, I was trying to let Anna enjoy it. I'm like, Bears have had a couple <laughs> rough times, like Packers are soaring right now. If we lose because of special teams, it is what it is. But it, it reached a point where it was, it was so absurd. I was like, this, I had been quiet. And then I just exploded. I was like, this is the worst special teams performance I have ever watched. And I've watched every NFL game in the last five years. And I got quiet again. Packers took care of it. They cleaned some things up. And I was taking her into work the next morning. It's 7 a.m. She's a doctor. She works harder. She's way more impressive than me. But um, she's like half asleep. And I turned on the athletic football show, which is like my favorite podcast. No offense. Um, And uh, (laughs) uh, it was either Robert Mays or Nate Tice. They were like, yeah, that was the worst special teams probably an NFL special teams performance start to finish probably in, in NFL history. And I just on is like half asleep and I'm like, thank you. Yes. It was so bad. And they're like, how do you keep Maurice Drayton around? Who was the special teams coordinator? Who's like Matt LaFleur's buddy. So all the writing was on the wall. Packers fans have been saying all season, like you guys got to clean this up. And they did nothing. They're like, ah, oh, it'll be fine. No, it, it, they lost that game because of special teams. They really did. Uh, against the 49ers. Yeah. They had they had a, 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 the block field goal before half. There's three points right there. Yeah. They had another drive set up by a 45-yard return by Debo Samuel. Then they had the block punt touchdown with five minutes left. They're up 10-3. to three. They're going to punt the ball away. The defense had been balling out all game. I, I should have cross-referenced if the that 45-yard field goal was the only, uh, sorry, the 45-yard kick return was the only way the Niners got their three points to begin with. I didn't check if it was that drive. I think it may have been. Um, so, and then the cherry on top is when the Niners line up for the game-winning field goal. <laughs> the Packers only had 10 players on the field. And there's a legendary tweet by Arif Hassan, another athletic guy. He's like, um, yeah, but how often do block kick, block kicks, kicks happen? And it's like, that's the joke. It already happened twice in that game to you. So to me, a failure was not fixing the special teams. Now, hopefully with Bisaccia yeah. coming in, that's going to be fixed. And then another little, a little, just a little note that I think was also a, a minute failure was not being able to uh, attract Odell Beckham to the Packers in that whole situation. Um, because 
you could make a case Odell Beckham decided the Super Bowl this year. You, you really could. Because you, you really watch the game against the Niners, and, and everyone's going to blame Aaron Rodgers. He didn't have his best game. I, I thought he had an average game. He certainly is capable of playing better. But you really watch that game, and, and I did a two-hour film breakdown after the game happened just to see if Rodgers really was as bad as everyone was making it out. And I was like, there's, of course, the play at the end of the game where he, he launches it to Devontae Adams. Alan Lazard comes in. He wants that one back 100%. That's one play in the entire game. There really wasn't anything else. It was like, oh, my God, Rodgers was terrible. It was a lot of Nick Bosa dominating and a lot of the Niners shutting down every receiver on the Green Bay Packers, including Devontae Adams, who they were doubling a lot of the time. So to have an Odell Beckham in that game, or even to have a Marquez Valdez-Scantling, honestly, who was out, I, I can't see a way they lose that game because the Niners couldn't have just shifted their entire coverage unit towards Devontae Adams. So him going to L.A. and making huge plays in the playoffs to get them there, you can make a case Odell Beckham decided who was going to win the Super Bowl when he made that decision. And, and I think Green Bay should have um, taken him a little bit more seriously you know, they they talked to him, but they didn't do what the Rams did. They didn't give him a little bit more than a, a veteran minimum. They um, they talked to him about how, what his role was going to be on the team uh, and really expressed interest. I don't think that uh, Brian Gutekunst and the Packers did that. I don't think they really recruited Odell Beckham, who all reports were he wanted to be a Packer, but he didn't feel wanted there. So I think that was a huge failure for for the Packers as well. Yeah, man, it's interesting. Well, first of all, let's dive into how exciting and valuable is that Rich Passaccia hire? For people that don't know, he was the Raiders interim head coach. They had this horrible year. All kinds of crap went on off, off the field. He still found a way to get that football team to a playoff appearance. And they had, I mean, arguably the best special teams in the NFL. Their, their punter was amazing. Their kicker was amazing. And to get your, your biggest weakness and hire someone who's, I think, maybe overqualified to be a special teams coordinator at this point. Like, he's, I think, could have been, I, I don't know what that means for him, because he is a special teams guy. Like, he probably doesn't get a head coaching job. But it feels like he's somewhere between a head coach and a special teams coordinator. Could be higher up on some kind of list. I don't know what that means. But he certainly is going to really fill that need very strongly, we all believe. How meaningful is that hire to you and to Packers fans? I, it was really refreshing to see. The Packers mm. have, I don't know who ranks special teams or how they do it. That's way beyond me, <laughs> I but I, I know there are special teams rankings. And I know the Packers have not been outside of the bottom five since like 2009, I think. It, they've been, it's been horrific. So it's time that they do everything they can to improve the special teams. And I, I hope that... And they got maybe the best one in the league, like yeah. arguably. Yeah. So... I really, I really hope it does lead to changes and that he doesn't just get wrapped into some other bigger issues going on in Green Bay. I, I have a little theory that because they are a team that, you know, they fill their roster with more undrafted free agents than anybody, they really, up until last year, have not signed the Rasul Douglases of the world, the Devondre Campbells of the world, the Whitney Mercilesses of the world. So hopefully that's kind of in the past, but I have a theory that they bring in all these kind of draft washouts who have never played special teams that aren't great athletes either to play special teams as opposed to like these hungry veterans that have spent their career playing special teams I have a theory that that has been a big reason why um, their special teams have struggled so much 
because more than anybody else, you look at like safety number three and four, edge number five, linebacker number four. It's it's been like literal garbage, and that was a big part of Rogers' like thing with the team. It was like we need depth, we need like veterans on this team. We can't just have all these like twenty two year old guys from North Dakota State filling out our team. So I I hope there's some big changes there, and and the special teams can get better. I'm I'm cautiously optimistic, I suppose, uh, but it definitely is a huge deal. Um, you mentioned injuries. I mean, I was going to ask you, what do you think held the Packers back? Like, why didn't they win a Super Bowl? Would you say it was their key injuries that kept them from winning a Super Bowl? I, I would say that the injuries caused them to be um, a little bit worse of a team than public perception come that Niners game. But they definitely still could have won that game. Um I just I think the entire team, other than the defense, that was that was the best Packers defense performance since they won a Super Bowl. I mean, you got to tip tip a cap to uh, a huge accomplishment was Joe Barry coming in, the defensive coordinator. Hell of a job, hell of a job with this defense. Um, so other than that, it was like the complete opposite where the, the offense couldn't really move the ball, and of course the, the special teams. But yeah, I, I think Rodgers could have played a little better. I think he knows that. I think that's a little bit of why he he kind of made the decision to come back just like if if it was classic Rodgers playoff game where he's putting up 30 points and the defense is just getting destroyed uh I think he he may have been a little bit more likely to be like all right I, I need a change of scenery here but knowing that you know he had one of his worst playoff games and was a factor in the loss like I think that absolutely you know he takes responsibility for that um yeah I mean there's there's a lot of fingers to point for sure, but it wasn't just the injuries. No, they they definitely still could have won that game. Well, what's funny is Rodgers didn't play like horrible. It just, I think really the problem is at face value, w- without looking at, deep into it, is that they had the ball at the end and didn't score. Like, just people that look at, at the surface of that are like, you have this badass Hall of Fame quarterback, you have the ball at the end of the game, you have to put together a drive, and they didn't. So people don't really care about context or what happened or the fact they didn't make any like really truly terrible plays. They just go, this guy in that situation needs to make it happen. And yeah. I mean, and it was, and they compounded it with what happened in the NFC Championship the year before, where it was like the third down. It was like, oh, he could have scrambled it in. Like, come on. Coulda, shoulda, woulda on one play. It's, it's just, it's such a stupid way to look at, at a, evaluating a quarterback's performance tell me how you felt when you found out he was staying talk to me about the emotion and the excitement and and, and you probably saw it coming because I, I feel like he was telegraphing a lot of him wanting to come back but tell me how you felt when you found out yeah there, there wasn't a lot of emotion I I'd really been on the channel like kind of planning my flag like he's not going anywhere like <laughs> I thought maybe within the week after maybe but really, after about a week, you see his MVP speech where he's thanking everybody. He goes on the Pat McAfee show, and he's he's using words like "we" and "us." Uh, and really, anytime Pat would like poke the bear, like "Yeah, but the Broncos," he'd be like, he would redirect it right back to like Devonte Adams franchise tag, and like his, his mindset just very much seemed like he was fully focused on working with the Packers and kind of figuring out how they're going to bring this team back next year. So there wasn't a huge emotional uh, response from me. I guess it was just a gradual excitement that he's back. Um, I I don't know if you want to get into like the public perception of him and like the contract details and all that stuff, but that was really what 
where I got involved was everyone like attacking his character for taking the money. Well, what happened there? Like there was a report that he signed a big contract. We all were like, yeah, that sounds reasonable. Like he's, it makes sense. And then he comes out and says that didn't happen at all. And I, I kind of, I think I made people think I was mad at Aaron Rodgers because I was on the, my show like, I never, like, I feel like there's nothing ever that's straightforward with Aaron, but that wasn't his fault. That was the media, I, I guess, creating a story that he signed a contract that he didn't, I, which is very weird. I don't know what to make of that. What did you make of all that? It's getting out of hand with this NFL reporting right now. Like, you can't react to anything, um, whether it's Aaron Rodgers related or not. Like, I don't know if teams are just, like, sick of reporters and are, like, feeding them misinformation or if this idea that everyone has to be first – is causing people to like take these massive um, jumps with the information. I, I really don't have a good answer. Uh, I'm sure somebody, whether it was Roger's agent or someone inside the Packers had heard that number and then it got out. And then whoever got that bit of information was like, well, I got to put it out there. Or someone else is going to beat me to it. So that's really all I could guess, but I don't know. It's NFL reporting right now. It's like I don't. Even, I don't know. Well, it's not what to trust. It's not journalism. It, it, we we're in a, a space where. So I think the best journalism in the sports world is the Athletic. I really respect them. That's old school written journalism. They they work their ass off. I really admire and respect the Athletic. Otherwise, it's media. I'm not a journalist. I, I sling opinions all over the place. Like I, I'm, I'm media, not a journalist. Is that you know the difference? Like I'm not writing stories. I'm not digging. I'm reacting to news. And I mean another maybe another parallel to this is the video game world. I, lo- I love video games. I follow it very closely. And in video games, there's no real journalism either. It's people that kind of are, are writing. It's media, not journalism. No one's coming up with stories. People are hearing random crap and putting stuff out there. And I think because it's not. It's not about war. It's not about government. It's not about stuff that really matters as far as the scheme of things. No one's starting a war because Aaron Rodgers' contract got leaked with Ukraine or something, right? So, Are you sure? I, I, I don't <laughs> think so. Are, are you sure that people aren't going to start a war over Aaron Rodgers? Because <laughs> maybe there's a border war between Minnesota and Wisconsin. But <laughs> <laughs> I, but you know what I mean? Like, so I think because there's no need to be responsible with reporting, people don't care anymore. People are just throwing crap out there and – I don't trust anything. Like I, I, I don't know what to make of it, and I, I'm, I'm at the point where I feel bad for Aaron, and I think Aaron is such a big polarizing name that you sniff anything if you're Ian Rappaport or Adam Schefter, you put it out there because you know it's going to get blown up all over the world, and you're going to get massive interest because of it. Because Aaron, I, I think, frankly, is the most polarizing and. I don't know how to put this, like the most popular maybe, like you see Aaron Rodgers in the media more than any other NFL player by far. He's on Fox News for maybe not the right reasons, but still like he's the biggest name right now in football. I think that's undeniable. Totally. Well, and I'm glad you brought up video games because I'd love to talk about some some gaming stuff with you sometime. But Oh, dude, absolutely. Um, I, that's, I probably know, I know a lot about football and quarterback, but I know so much about video games that I don't let on. I don't really talk All about right. it. I love games. Like, it's All one right. of my favorite things. I, I want to say, man, you're the most Midwest dude I've ever, like, come across. Because your wife is a Bears fan. You're a Packers fan. You live in freaking Minnesota. I, it's hilarious. I was writing down. I'm like, this is the most Midwest thing ever. Like, <laughs> Hell yeah, man. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, was Jordan Love a terrible pick? <laughs> my... 
I always try to look at process over results. That is, I think, what sets my channel apart. Yeah. Um, well, can I say, maybe the result has been terrible, but the process made sense? Ex- is that where you're going? Exactly. That's exactly where I'm going. I, I graded that pick with an A. Now, it helps that I was a huge Jordan Love guy before the draft. I had him as the number two quarterback ahead of Herbert and ahead of um, Tua. So I was like... If they're as high on him as I am, you spend – well, they did trade up for him, but uh, essentially spend one pick a, to leverage potentially another 20 years of great quarterback play in Green Bay. Where they screwed up was drafting a running back in the second round to then pay Aaron Jones the next year. That made no sense. You either do one or the other or don't draft a running back in the second. There's other guys you can find later on. I love A.J. Dillon. I was actually one of the only people that – said he's a good player when they drafted him but I was like this you can't double up Love and AJ Dillon and then they draft a freaking fullback in the third round who drops that critical pass in the divisional round it's like I was screaming for Darnell Mooney in the third round and they take Josiah DeGuar I'm like oh how hard is it to just draft a damn receiver Gutekunst he has like this burning hatred um so I don't think the the Jordan Love pick itself at the time was bad, but obviously the way Rodgers played after it muddied it up. And I think they did a really bad job balancing the draft. Um, if you're going to spend the first overall pick improving that part, you can't, you can't just, you know, fill in with like role players and future replacements after that. Well, yeah, they drafted two people. They, they made two redundant picks. They already had a quarterback, already had a running back. And it drafted both of those positions in the first two rounds. And then a fullback, you can get, an, a, 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 frankly, an undrafted fullback if you really want one. I mean, I'm not saying you yeah. should, but. Well, he's like, a, I, I throw fullback. He's like an H-back. Sure. But he's like a 6-2 tight end. And he was like, by most people's standards, a fifth or a sixth round prospect. Yeah. So He's not Kyle Juszczyk. No. Like, Who was an undrafted player. Yeah, that'd be frustrating. Would you... Um, would you trade him away? Because I thought when we found out, oh, it's a four-year contract, $50 million a year. You got four more years of Aaron Rodgers. My immediate thought was, well, trade Jordan Love away. Get something for him, build your football team so you can try to make a push for a Super Bowl. But if he's if Aaron's on a one-year contract, you probably hang on to Jordan Love because you still need insurance for the future, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think if, if it is a four-year extension for Rodgers, you have to trade Love. You have, well, at some point, you have to trade Love. Um, let me say that. Um, because he's never going to play for you for this year. If it, it, I think they have a price tag, I think it's the top 50 pick. It's a bad quarterback class. Freaking Carson Wentz just got a, a potential second and a third. They're going to ask for a top 50 pick. I, I believe, which would actually be a pretty good, like escape effort out of the situation to get a good top 50 pick. Um, if they get that, I think they trade them. It just makes sense. You can use that pick on a receiver or a right tackle or something to really help you win with Aaron Rodgers. But if they don't, I don't think they're just going to sell him for nothing after you know the Chiefs game didn't really go well. He comes in at the end of the Lions game with backups and has like two deflected balls get intercepted and everyone thinks he sucks. He, he really hasn't shown much, but this, the, his perception is really low. So... I, I think trading him for a third-round pick, it doesn't open up any cap space. You're probably not getting an impact player. If nothing else, you have a potentially awesome backup if anything happens to Rodgers. 
and you know, not just help you keep your season alive, but then you're shopping his value. Like if Rodgers goes down for four or five weeks or God forbid for the playoffs and Jordan Love plays well, then all of a sudden it's like, if he looks good, you could probably get a first rounder for him. So I think, I think top 50 is the number and someone's going to have to pay it. I, I think someone would be really smart. I, I still really do think Jordan Love can play. I think uh, the, the Chiefs game, he, he didn't play great, but it was a very high difficulty game for him. The Chief, that was kind of when the Chiefs defense really woke up was that game. So uh, in Arrowhead, Sunday night primetime, like opening, like first game, he had obvious jitters in his first quarter. Like he was shook, which he's 22 years old. Like, well, and he didn't have chemistry with Devonta Adams. I mean, you just can't. Like, I felt kind of bad because he's trying to throw back shoulder fades to Devonta Adams, and the chemistry isn't there the same way it is with Rodgers. I mean, it just they clearly haven't done taken enough reps at doing that. And like I said, there's nobody else. Yeah, there's no one else to go to there. So, yeah, I really still think Jordan Love can play. I, I think a team like um, Indianapolis at this point, although they, yeah, they have their second, um, the forty second overall. Yeah, I think that that would do it. Like 42 for Jordan Love, I think it would be a mutually beneficial trade. And apparently they liked him. That's I think that's why the Packers traded up to get him was because the Colts were going to come up for him, was what I had heard. So that would make a ton of sense. But we'll see. Yes, yeah, so you only get rid of Jordan Love if you can get something in return that helps you compete for a Super Bowl or an impact player, basically, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I got if Go ahead. If you get in the next offseason, then maybe, um, you know, maybe you think about trading them for less than that. Yeah. But like I said, you don't clear any cap space by trading them. So you might as well keep a good backup if you're not getting something that helps yeah. you now. I saw a crazy proposal out there, and this is like a, a YouTube comment. So, like, I don't know, right? But I saw one guy mention, and I, I'm just bringing it up because I, there's one way this makes sense. And it is insane because I don't think it's a good value for the team that would be trading for Jordan Love. But the idea of Michael Thomas being traded for Jordan Love, where Michael Thomas is a superstar receiver. Jordan Love is not a superstar quarterback. However, if Michael Thomas is disgruntled and doesn't want to be there and you need to clear salary cap space in New Orleans, it could theoretically make sense to we got to get rid of this guy. We're not going to get anything for him anyway. We might as well get a quarterback that could be our franchise quarterback. Is that possible? No, <laughs> not with their cap situation. Um, I like the thinking, but no, um, the Packers have five days to clear $49 million of cap space. Mm. So it's not going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's that simple. They, I had to the, try. Yeah, no, the, the concept of acquiring new talent, especially through trades or free agency, it's, it's just not available for Green Bay right now um, with their current. And, like, it's not just about this year. Like, you're – acquiring him you you have to pay Jair Alexander Elton Jenkins Rashawn Gary like they have a lot of work to do they can't really they have to draft well they have to draft well that's what this comes down to well and they did last year I mean to their credit I thought they nailed the first two picks they got two starters in the first two rounds they took Josh Myers over Creed Humphrey ah yeah that's fair but he's a starter like I don't know you get a starting center out of it they could have had a better center a top three center yeah that's fair who was a clear-cut better prospect. Yeah. I mean, you're not wrong. <laughs> so what kind of moves do you want the Packers to make? Because, and also, I mean, another question we have to kind of, it's a two-part question. What, do you, what kind of moves do you want them to make? It sounds like they have to draft. 
And then how long can they keep their group together? Like we're seeing the Dallas Cowboys come apart at the seams. So they just can't afford to keep all their players. You can't pay a quarterback, overpay a running back, which they maybe do with Aaron Jones, and a receiver and this and that. So like how long can they keep this core of, frankly, a good football team in Green Bay together before it implodes and they can't pay everybody? I think they have a three-year window. Um, there's a difference with Dallas because Dax just signed that new deal. Um, so the difference is with Rodgers, you're adding an extension, which means you can you can move the money around much better. So you can take his $45 million cap hit this year and turn it into about $23 million and put a bunch of... Now, you can always put void years on. I don't know how deep you are into understanding how that all works, but... I kind of um, get it, but I'm, I'm, I'm a layman. You can basically borrow money from the future. You can add fake years to a contract that are guaranteed money that the player receives the second he signs the, the paperwork. But on the cap, that's guaranteed money locked into future seasons when he's not even under contract. It's very complicated. But, but, it, but it basically means you lower the salary cap number for fake years later, which, I mean, I yeah. get that. That makes sense. We've seen that happen a lot, actually, recently. Mm-hmm. So the, what, what I, I see them doing is you're prioritizing. You keep, you know, Rodgers, Adams, Bakhtiari. I think they backload the contracts on those three guys, Jair Alexander, uh, Elton Jenkins, and Rashawn Gary, so that you have this transition period of Rodgers, Adams, Bakhtiari probably out the way uh, on the way out after three years and then you're kind of starting this new regime I think they're really just thinking about next year right now <laughs> I think Rodgers is really pushing that mentality right now um they, they have really impressed me with with how they're managing the cap it's it's very similar to what the Saints were able to do and you know the Saints aren't they're not a bad like roster the quarterback situation's a mess which is what you're afraid of with Green Bay but they did all this stuff and you know, they're going to lose probably one key player in Toronto. Well, they're going to lose Marcus Williams, too. So there will be losses, but you're, you're going to be able to push this window out for probably two or three more years. Well, think about Jordan Love in New Orleans, right? you got a good defense. You've got a solid offensive line. You have no real receiving core, but you have a good running back in Alvin Kamara. Like, theoretically, with Jordan Love there, you could play good defense in New Orleans, run the ball heavily while Jordan Love is developing, win with defense and running the football and a ball control system. That could work in New Orleans. I mean, I, there, there's a couple places. I, Jordan Love would be fantastic in Tampa. Another opportunity. Like, what a great oh, yeah. spot to be a young quarterback with a great defense, a good running game, amazing receiving core, good offensive line. I mean, there are some places Jordan Love could go and be really successful and, and be in a great spot to develop. Well, and it's I just think he's so appealing because you talk about like Malik Willis, Matt Corral, Sam Howell. It's like, oh, he's got to sit and develop for two years. He needs to understand the the speed of the game and all this stuff. It's like Jordan Love has been through that already. And he's way che- He's going to cost you a lot cheaper than those guys. Yeah. Obviously, the, obviously the, the film hasn't gone what you would hope to see, but he's had his trial by fire. He, he's played in Arrowhead on Sunday Night Football and, and got his ass beat, but hung in there and, and got better as the game went on. And He's got a, he's got more physical talent than anybody in this draft. He, he would easily be if I just look at my evaluation on him coming out of Utah State. He would easily be the number one quarterback in this class. I, I don't think we're even really talking about Malik Willis as a first rounder if Jordan Love is in this class because he Jordan Love would be the appealing guy. No, it's hilarious. He'd be cheaper. He's a second round pick, 
for the best quarterback in the draft. And he's the same age. He's the same age as all these guys. He's 23. Malik Willis and Jordan Love will both be 23 when the season starts. And someone might spend the second overall pick on Malik Willis. <laughs> I, it just doesn't add up to me. <laughs> yeah, I would pursue Jordan Love with everything I have. I mean, I, I would rather, you know what I mean? Who has the, um, gosh, Tennessee has the 26th overall pick, the same pick Jordan Love was drafted with. That's still a good deal if you're Tennessee. Like, you have Ryan Tannehill for a year. You can make a smooth transition from Tannehill to Jordan Love. I don't know why we're not hearing more Jordan. Either the Packers must just want to keep him because I feel like either that or we're not getting good reporting on it. Like, are there, there has to be conversations about Jordan Love happening behind the scenes. I would imagine I'd be, like, on the phone constantly. I think they're starting to pick up would be my guess. Um I think the Packers look at the Wentz trade and they're like, all right, we got to consider this. Like, we got to really, you know, play our cards right here. Maybe they can get a first rounder. Like, you mentioned Tampa, Tennessee. There's teams at the back end of the first round that might be thinking about quarterback. Like, come on. He's still cheap for three years, too. Kenny Pickett or Jordan Love? I know. Kenny Pickett. Like, who's the other guy? Uh, Sam Howell or Jordan Love? Like, Corral. Yeah, come on, man. I don't know. Like, I just mocked Matt Corral to Tennessee with the first-round first, first round pick. I'd really rather spend that on Jordan Love. Oh, yeah. He's more talented. Yeah, and he's more talented, got more experience. And he knows your system. It's the yeah. same system. Um, let's. So I don't really have many more Packers questions. We can talk about Randall Cobb if you want. Do you want to talk about that? Sure. What, what is there to— It was interesting. Well, it was interesting before the season because Rodgers really pushed hard to get Randall Cobb. And Gutekunst basically, the GM, said, you know— this is an Aaron Rodgers move. He's like, he basically said, if it works, it's Aaron. And if it fails, it's not on me. And then I, I thought Randall Cobb made a solid impact in a couple times during the year where he had a couple key catches on third down. And I, there's not much more to be said there other than I, I thought it was a good move and he was a good veteran. And it kind of was proof of concept that Rodgers isn't totally crazy at wanting veterans and making some moves and being listened to. It's also more evidence that Brad Gutekunst has a burning hatred for the wide receiver position, specifically wide receivers who are under six feet tall. <laughs> they have a, if you look at the guys they draft, Amari Rogers was like a little outlier, but they just, they don't, they don't like guys that are small. They think they can't block. They think they can't win contested catches, which is just both of those things are categorically false. But uh, yeah, I, I think, I think they made some really real changes that, you know, everyone wants to throw Rodgers under the bus and say, oh, he had this cryptic offseason. And I, I have a lot of respect for the way Rodgers handled. He can't say anything, dude. He literally, he breathes. And people are like, he breathed too hard. He hates the Packers. I know. But I have a lot of respect for the way he handled the offseason because he, he doesn't care about giving anybody headlines. That's not what he's there to do. So he has these real issues with Green Bay that I think I've kind of pointed out a lot of them as we've had this conversation about free agency, veterans, the way they've handled players out the door. They hadn't used the franchise tag since 2010, by the way. Uh, so, like, they just they let guys go. There's just all these issues. They operated in a way that put Green Bay at a, at a competitive disadvantage compared to, like, the Bucks and the Saints and all these teams that were doing all these little things between the margins to get a better roster – and Rodgers was like, if I'm going to stay here, we got to fix this stuff. Like, this is bullshit. Like, I'm sorry for swearing, but, like, that's what it was. But he, he waited till he had those conversations behind closed doors before he kind of opened up about what it was all about. He wasn't 
throwing anybody under the bus. He was like, these are my issues. I had some really good conversations with Brian and Matt, and I'm excited to come back. And it was, to me, that's the way a man should handle conflict. And it's like a way to set an example for people instead of just bitching to the public. Um, but of course, that's not that's not what the narrative was on that situation. Well, for years, I have, I think, misread and misunderstood Aaron. And I think, because the media, I think, will take what he does and what he says and kind of twist it. But I, I'm, I'm right with you. I, I was not an Aaron Rodgers fan. I didn't like his leadership. I was very anti-Aaron for, like, years. And the way he handled last offseason, I was really impressed because he could have came out with scathing, I mean, he really could have just come after them and said all kinds of awful stuff and been really toxic. And the media made it maybe made it seem like he was by taking certain stuff. Like we talked about how people love to jump on anything with Aaron. Like Adam Schefter releasing the story on draft day. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't. But if you actually listen to just Aaron and I don't think he's putting stuff out. I think it's because the media knows anything with Aaron's name in it just is going to blow up at this point. Because we've seen it's been a year now of this where Aaron's done very little and his everything's been blown out of proportion. And I thought, I mean, Aaron's a guy who clearly loves his teammates. He wants to win. He doesn't really want drama. I, I mean, I, I actually have been very, I, I don't know. I don't want to talk about the vaccine thing. I think that was kind of weird. I don't, we just, I don't want to talk about it, like literally at all. But I really, as far as like a guy carry himself football wise, I've been really impressed. Like he's, he's done a good job. Yeah. Yeah. We don't need to talk about the vaccine thing. That, but no, that please is, God, that no. is the one no, no, like. No. Yeah, I, I, it, he has a lot of he has a lot. I will just say he has a lot of regret for the way he handled it, and that's very clear when you we, when you listen to him talk about McAfee la, on McAfee the last couple of times. He's very like, like I I handled it. I don't you know I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but like you can tell he's remorseful about it and he wants to move on. And I think he's excited. Right. That's that's why he that's why he manipulated his words initially. Was he just he wanted to hide from his opinion and he couldn't so well because he doesn't want it to blow up i don't think i don't think he wants it and it completely blew up in his face (laughs) yeah that that's enough said and i think that's perfect actually is he he did what he thought was right to avoid a big story and because you're aaron Rodgers, no matter what you do it's a big story anyway um so what do you want the packers to do in the draft (laughs) believe it or not i think i think interior defensive line in the first round is actually would be a good move for them. I, I mean, I've been like screaming receiver, receiver, receiver. But just when you look at, I, and that depends. I, I they're going to have to make some cuts to to get under the cap here. And I think Dean Lowry, who's the only other like three down interior defensive lineman that they have, he they can clear about five or six million by letting him go. And he's just he's fine, but he's not. Um, he's just he's just an easy cut candidate. So if he's gone, I think you have a glaring need. You really don't have any room to spend in free agency, and that's a position that you really can't hit on interior defensive linemen after the first round. It's it's one of the hardest position groups over the last few years. It's it's become a thinner and thinner group every year. I don't know if it's because seven on seven football and that part of the game is just getting washed out in college or what, but there's only like three or four prospects that I think can make a day one impact as a as a starting interior run defender, and you look at like Travis Jones or uh, Devontae Wyatt out of Georgia. I think if either of those guys are there, I think you take him there. And then in the second round, you got to go wide receiver. You got to go wide receiver because they might get priced out of Marquez Valdez-Scantling. Whether Packers fans want to admit it or not, Alan Lazard like actively hurts his team because he just can't get open. He, the, I, I 
not trying to be dramatic here. The the screenshot where he got open at the end of that game was the first time he created an ounce of separation in the entire game. I promise you that. So there's a reason Rodgers wasn't even looking his way because he had gone through 55 snaps. It's like, you aren't getting open, bro. Like, I'm looking at Devontae. You can't blame him for trying to target arguably the best receiver in the game. I mean, and your go-to guy. It was a frustration thing after the block punt, after he's getting his ass beat all day. He's like, I'm just going to force this to Devontae. Now, that's not the right thing to do. He deserves criticism for that, but it's, I think that's how but it's it understandable happened. how we got to that conclusion, too. Right. So I think, I think receiver in the second round, a guy like Christian Watson, Jahan Dotson, John Mechie. There's a, lot of, um, there's a lot of options in the second round that you can hit on at wide receiver. And if they, have to, if they start coming off the board and you got to trade up for one, do it because they need a number two wide receiver on this team. There's a kid out of UCLA. I forget his name. Do you remember? Do you know what I'm talking about? Um, I don't remember. UCLA? Brett, I, yeah, Brett Coleman loves him. I forget his name. I, I, he was texting me about it the other day. UCLA or USC? I think it was UCLA. There was some kid that like was at the Shrine Bowl that Brett's like just deeply in love with. Oh, I I have seen those clips. I don't know. I, I forget, haven't gotten to yeah, that player I, yet. But I don't think he's a second or a third yeah, round guy. But I, I just know think. Brett loves. He like I, every time I talk to Brett, he's like rambling on about these like you know undrafted yeah. free agents who are going to be amazing. Him and EJ Schneider, they get they get deep, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, he's such a nerd about that crap. I love. <laughs> I love. I don't know. He's one of my favorite man. Yeah. So I'm I'm curious about you because you're I I love quarterbacks, but I'm not as much of a nerd about other positions the same way like a guy like you or Brett are who do you like in the draft like inform me a little bit because I, I haven't even started sure. really doing enough research on the quarterbacks and that's probably all I'm gonna do and then I'll, I'll listen to guys like you and try to do the best I can to gain an opinion but I I'm not as into that stuff other than quarterback as sure. you so who do you like in the yeah. draft I, I'm still putting together like my you know I'm trying to grind through all the all the players and stuff so um I've gotten about 20 deep at wide receiver. I got the whole quarterback class done. I've got all of the offensive tackles done and edge players done. So when it comes to linebacker, corner, safety, I haven't really dug into that. But anyway, at edge, I really like Arnold Ebiketti out of Penn State. Uh, really like quick hands. He's bendy around the edge. He, he kind of reminds me a lot of uh, Shaq Barrett. Similar size, like 6'2", 250. Just like he's not overly powerful. He's not constantly hitting you with like your typical like finesse move type of stuff. But he just he just gets around you with quickness and hands. And I think he's going to be a day one impact. I like him a little bit more than some people. One guy that I'm not as high on on the edge group is Trayvon Walker, who just had a – did you see his combine? So he's, he's 6'5", 270. He ran a four five one forty, huge vertical, like all of his jumping, like this dude killed the combine. But when you load up his tape, like, so everyone's comparing him to Rashawn Gary, because Rashawn Gary coming out was six five two seventy, ran in the four fives. I was a big Rashawn Gary guy. I, people are gonna be like, God, this guy's such a freaking Packers homer. It's disgusting. But if you go back and look, I had a video before Rashawn Gary was a Packer. I was like, the hate's gone too far in Rashawn Gary. And I, I was a huge Jordan Love guy as well before the draft. So just want to clarify that. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't like them because they're Packers. You liked them before. Right. So Rashawn Gary, who didn't have like this crazy level production, but was this great athlete, was actually getting a lot of hate before the draft. 
uh, people were saying he was like a second round guy. And I was like, well, he has really good traits and he shows flashes where he just like, he lands his hands inside and it just, he overwhelms offensive tackles. Like he's got those dynamite hands where he, he hits that bull rush and there's nothing that tackle can do. And it's, it's, it's the whole converting speed to power thing, which he does really well. Cause if you can, you know, for, um, force equals, what is it? Mass times acceleration or whatever it is. That's converting speed to power. So that's why I really liked Rashawn Gary, who everyone's comparing Trayvon Walker to, because I think a lot of people missed on Rashawn Gary, and now they want to be right about Trayvon Walker. But when I watch Trayvon Walker, I just don't see that same, um, you know, the same flashes where he's he's got his hands on you and he's dominating the rep. He's very good at, like, shedding blocks. He's going to be a really good run defender. He has strong arms, but he doesn't – he can't match his lower half with his upper half, if that makes sense, to create this, like, dominant bull rush. So – I'm just a little bit lower on Walker. I think Georgia's scheme was kind of weird, and, and they always had him in like a contain rush all the time. So I, there's some of that, but um, he's a guy that could go in the top ten, and I just I can't get there with him. I think he's a back end of the first round type of guy. Um, so that's the edge group, and then at wide receiver, it, it's just a another kind of deep group. Like I said, like you can find a lot of good guys in the second. There's no one that I specifically don't like. I did a video on Drake London where he's kind of um, boomer bust in, in a way that people don't typically consider boomer bust. Usually you hear that word and you're like, he's a really explosive raw prospect. It's kind of the opposite. He's He needs to be utilized correctly because he's this six foot four. He's right? not that fast. I mean, I, I know. He's a four six speed. You know, he's got good hands. He goes, he can body, you know, out box people i guess or what's the word for like rebound the football basically box like at the basketball out. yeah but he's not an incredible athlete like not really yeah, but he is quick so mm. like when he gets off coverage he can separate underneath yep like yeah. that he can make guys miss with the ball in his hands yeah. um, he's got good technique yep and uh he can be really versatile from the slot but Basically, what I said is, is he if he needs to win on the if he's going to win on the outside, he needs a quarterback that can really effectively win with those timing routes, like back shoulders and stuff, which requires accuracy and reps and all that stuff. Because he's not going to be running past receivers, uh, running past corners on the outside. So you either need to pair him with a quarterback that can hit those, or or you put him in the slot, like Michael Thomas where he can dominate bigger slot corners on slant routes. He can be a good bubble screen guy. He can block for other guys in the, in the screen game. So he's a guy that I think is boom or bust in a way that most people don't consider that um, term, but it really just depends on where he lands. Uh, so I could see him being a total flop and being the next in Keel Harry who just can't do anything uh, because he's not being asked to do what he does well. Or I could see him being Michael Thomas and catching 115 balls every year and, and just like being a bully out there. So he's, he's definitely a fascinating name. I got a question for you. This is off, off topic, but I, I, I just talked about the Eagles today on my show and, and Jalen Rager had such a disappointing year. What the hell happened to that guy? Like, how is he a first round pick? How was he drafted ahead of Justin Jefferson? And why is like he not doing anything in the league? I don't, how, how did that come to be that he was drafted where he was that he hasn't had an impact? What happened? I had bad vibes about Rager from the get go because, like the, he ran he ran like a four five at his combine or the pro day or something. Then he released this tape where he was like, "Look, I can run a four two four. It was like 
with his buddies in his backyard. And then everyone took that as like Jalen Rieger's four, two, four speed. I don't know. I, he was never a good receiver at, at TCU. He was a return man and a guy that caught bubble screens and made people miss. It was, it was a really interesting pick. I, I think Howie really screwed that one up. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think he's just a bust, honestly. Yeah. No, I mean, it's crazy how, how much Philly... Like, we're, I'm hearing Philly's going to draft another receiver this year. I'm like, you're going to draft a receiver in the first round three years in a row? I get you're desperate, and I get you need it, but yeah. like... I mean, Arthego Whiteside in the second round three years ago, Rager two years ago, Devontae Smith last year, another one this year. Like, I mean, if you get Chris Olave or something like that, sure, that's amazing. But, like, man, just like, yeah, it's oh, brutal. It, it's crazy. I mean, I actually, I actually really like Howie. I, I think, I think he's mostly been really good. But it's just weird how some of these GMs just have these blind spots. Like, um, like Bill Belichick's the same way. Like, you just can't evaluate the receiver position. I wonder if that's what's happening with um, Gutekunst. Is Gutekunst just like, I know I don't trust myself to draft a receiver. Like, that literally could be it. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a blind spot. I'm not saying that's good. You don't really want to hear that about your GM, but maybe that's, it's like a confidence thing where he's just is like, I would rather get someone I know I can help our team, or at least I think I can help my team. Yeah. Then, then screw it up, I guess. I have, I have no idea. Like, Amari Cooper wasn't a, or Amari Rogers wasn't like a huge impact player last year. I mean, I felt like a reach a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I think if if they never got Cobb, I think he may have um, had a bigger impact. But even when Cobb got hurt, Amari Rodgers wasn't seeing the field. Um, he's not – Amari Rodgers isn't a great scheme fit because the Packers love their, you know, 12 personnel with two tight ends out there. And they – like I said, they like bigger-bodied receivers on the outside. So just, there wasn't a lot of opportunities for Amari Rodgers. I think, I think they need to – look internally and run a little more 11 personnel and, and do some more of that stuff. But yeah, there's, there's some issues with, with him getting out there. Yeah. I, you know, I want to have this conversation if we can real quick is that I, I don't hate the combine. I I'm not, there is some value. You learn how good an athlete some guys are, but also I, I trust film way more. Like what kind of effort are you giving play to play? How good is your technique? Like, you can be great at running a 40-yard dash, which means, like, if you ever run a 40-yard dash, it's, like, so much about your technique, and it's not—you have to be fast. Like, it doesn't lie to you, but you can be slow running a 40-yard dash simply because your start is bad and you're not good at the, like—it's like running track. I mean, your technique has to be really good, and you have to, like, really dial it in and work really hard at that specific skill of running a 40-yard dash— doesn't necessarily mean you're slow if you're on a slower 40. Does that make sense? Like, I just really trust film a lot more than I trust these numbers and the physical stuff like combine. Are you, where, how do you land on that? I Yeah, it's really tough. I can see you just kind of mentally like trying to – you have to balance it because it does matter. But it's like you have to like – you have to just use every bit of information you can and you have to de- determine what information matters. The way – my stance on it is – a, yes, players can absolutely like basically lie with their 40 time by perfecting their technique, especially if you're really good out of your stance. Well, I would argue, if I may, that speed doesn't lie, but being slow sometimes can. Does that make sense? Like, if you have great combine numbers, you're probably a great athlete. But if you have lower combine numbers, that doesn't necessarily translate to the football world. Or like if you have great combine numbers, but you're not giving good effort on third down consistently, I'm like, well... Who cares if you are fast? So I like to, 
Well, well, I like to just kind of build off that. I like to, when I do my evals, I do a tape. I try not to look at their 40 times. Sometimes I know it because they're bigger guys, like, and I haven't done their evaluation yet. But I try not to look at their 40 time until after I've done their tape, and I do an est- a tape estimated 40 time. And then if it's, if it's way off, I will maybe take a second look and be like, okay, what's going on here? Am I missing something, or did he just have a bad day? Uh, or is he genuinely slower, you know? So that's one way I kind of work around it. But I also think I just I weight it more heavily for certain positions. So, like, I think cornerback, it's really important. 40 time, like, I do weight it way more for cornerback. I think there's just a really heavy correlation, especially with first-round guys. If you're not under – if you're not faster than 4 or 5, it's, it's really unlikely you're going to be a good uh, high-end corner that's worth a first-round pick. Um, safety, depending on the type of safety you are, uh, if you're going to be, you know, a top, you know, a, a rangy free safety type, I definitely want you at least in the four fives. Um, and then other groups, it's like, how much does that really matter? Like edge, defensive tackle, offensive tackle, like Makai Becton ran like a five flat and I was like, I don't care. Like what, what's he going to do with that? He's never going. When's he ever running a 40 yard yeah. dash on a football field again? Yep. Like, and then. <laughs> certain body types struggle with it. Like Traylon Burks, for example, is built like a running back and running backs historically struggle with the 40. I don't know if it's because they're, they're not used to being in a three point stance. Cause they're always, you know, two points or whatever. And they carry all this weight in that, you know, they're, you know what I'm talking about? Like in their thighs and, and they're like from your knees trunk, to like, your pecs. There's just like, it's, yeah, yeah it's, it's really hard thing. to get out of a three point stance and run fast. If you're <laughs> a running back, if you're built like most running backs are so like AJ Dillon, you know, for example, yeah, although AJ Dillon did run a four or five, <laughs> but a, a great example is, is like Josh Jacobs, very built in that area. He ran a four six, but he plays faster than that. Um, Dalvin Cook ran like a four five four. He's got like real speed on the field. He's got like four four speed at least on the field. So in like a Traylon Burks's example, not the best forty time. He ran a four five five, but he's he's six two two twenty five, and he's built like a running back. So A.J. Brown, Debo Samuel, very similarly, only ran like four or five, you know? So his game speed doesn't lie. I saw him, I saw him literally outrun all of Alabama's secondary for a deep touchdown. Like, he is way faster on the field than that. So you just you really have to balance what you've seen, what you know about, like, historical data. And I do think it does matter. I do think in certain, certain cases you, you really do need to clear certain thresholds. Uh, especially at like corner and and like um, smaller receivers as well. I really want to see you run well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, th- th- there's some balance in there, and it's not a perfect science, but I you can't I think weigh too heavily on one or the other. I mean, you have to kind of there there is the right m- happy middle. Um, do you want to talk about something fun, something crazy to. that happened? <laughs> I got two two. There were two big trades in the NFL. You know which ones happened. Let's start with Carson Wentz. Um, what the heck is Indianapolis doing at quarterback? Is it Marcus Mariota? Like, that's the only thing I can think. Like, I, I guess they're going to sign Marcus Mariota, and I think it's better than Carson Wentz. Because people are celebrating, yeah, we got rid of Carson. I'm like, yeah, you don't have a quarterback, like, at all, or first-round pick. So congratulations, I guess. You're, no, pardon my French, you're fucked. Great. Happy celebrating, Indy. So what are they doing? It was weird, right? Everyone is, you're right. Everyone is celebrating for Indy. <laughs> The second Chris Ballard was like, we're going to move on from Carson Wentz, like right after the season. And I was like, why are you, A, why are you showing your cards like that? And B, 
you, you need a plan. Go ahead. Well, you, know, you know why they had to say that? Was because I think Jim Irsay didn't want him. That's and, and how do you think that, that dynamic, the three guys running the show there, Frank Reich, Jim Irsay, and Chris Ballard, do you think they're looking side-eyed at Frank Reich for going, you pounded the table for this guy. You were telling us Carson's the truth. And I think the guy that gave up on Carson is Jim Irsay. Great take. Uh, Jim Irsay is known to be a little bit out there, a little bit emotional. And I think he gave orders to Chris Ballard to like, dude, we're not doing this yep, anymore. That's a great take. Whether Chris Ballard wanted him or not, he has to do what his boss wants him to do. Yep. And I bet Frank Reich is like, I, I, don't, I, I guess we're getting rid of the guy. So, but I think, I think what happened there was Jim Irsay gave up, and so they had to do whatever the boss said so. That's, I think you're bang on with that, yeah. Um, they, they got a decent capital for him, I guess. Everyone, I don't know if I would say it was like a, people, a lot of people were saying this is a steal for the Colts. Like he, he had some really bad games. He really did. He had like four games where he just, you couldn't win with him playing like that. But his season as a whole was like he was a top twenty five quarterback. Like he was solid. He's right. better than a like, rookie quarterback. I don't know if he doesn't completely shit the bed against the Jags. They're in the playoffs. He had a couple moments where he made some plays. Like I'm not trying to be like a Carson Wentz apologist or anything, but like he is a starting quarterback. Washington is better at quarterback now after this trade. And Indianapolis is worse. So I don't think it works out for either side. <laughs> but, yeah, the celebration for Indianapolis is kind of strange. I, I think Jordan Love, like we talked about, would be a great, great answer. I don't think Mar Marcus Mariota is going to save anything. I don't even know if they're going to be able to get any of these rookie quarterbacks in the draft. If they are, they're getting, you know, the last picks. You know, they're getting Corral or Howell. Which, honestly, if they got Corral or Howell, I think, I think it would work. But I, I don't know if they're going to be able to get one of those guys. So, Well, also, the problem, too, is that maybe in three years from now, Matt Corral's better than Carson Wentz is today, right? But week one next year, who gives you a better shot to win? Probably Carson Wentz. I mean, that's what the genius of what Washington did is they got a guy who's arguably better week one than a rookie quarterback is going to be for a lot cheaper than it would have been. I mean, you got to pay him money, but... You know what I mean? I, honestly, it, I think Washington got the best quarterback they've had in a long time. Yep, and it allows them to draft a guy like Malik Willis or or Corral or something like that because you don't have to flush him in there right away. So yeah, well, or the use their number eleven pick to build whatever part of their roster they want to build. I mean, it's actually a deep class other than at quarterback, from what I I mean, from what I know. And I'm like, look, I there's a lot of directions you can go if you don't want a quarterback that could maybe be an impact player at number eleven overall. Yeah. Gosh, it was a bizarre trade, but uh, both teams have a lot of work to do, for sure. Yeah. I mean, he's the best quarterback. Would you agree he's the best quarterback Washington's had in quite a while? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, since it's Kirk. saying much. Since but... Kirk. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, yeah, and like Indy, it's like Indy, I, I heard Jimmy, they're interested in Jimmy. What's the difference between Jimmy and Wentz? Like, Wentz, Wentz has bad games because he makes stupid mistakes, but Jimmy has bad games because he airmails like three or four throws that get intercepted. Like what? That's your trade-off is like. Well, also, who has a higher ceiling? Who's who? Like Wentz has a higher ceiling. Yeah. Oh hell yeah. So I don't. I think the Colts are crazy. I, again, I think just Jim Irsay was emotional and angry and just gave up on the guy. It doesn't feel entirely rational what the Colts did. Yeah. 
And and from a GM, Chris Ballard, who does a lot of stuff I respect and admire, like one of the better GMs in the league, I'm like, is that really like the right move? Is Andrew Luck coming out of retirement? Is there something we don't know? I feel like we're like, there's something we must not know, or the Colts are just have no plan. I, I like your your Ballard take there. I think, yeah, because the smart thing, like if you want to move on from him, I agree. Like, yeah, it's really not like a long term answer here. You didn't take. He wasn't as good as you hoped he would be, but yeah, you don't just. You don't just go back to square one like you were a playoff team more or less with <laughs> yeah. them. Well, and now you're you're going to have your fifth quarterback in five years. Say that out loud. That's horrible. You go from Luck to Brissett to Rivers to Wentz to now somebody else. I mean, that's just not going to work for any organization. I, I can't believe that they're like so excited to have their fifth quarterback in five years. Well, uh, Zach Pascal is a receiver for them. He, he tweeted um, the the poop emoji is getting. Um, either annoying or t- um, he's like, I'm tired of this shit. Basically, is what he said. So like, now the locker room's frustrated. So I, I still think they're in the market for like another guy. So we'll have to wait and see what they do. I think Matt Ryan would be interesting there. I know. The problem is that it costs Atlanta so much to trade him. Like I, you're gonna have to give up a lot, and they don't even have first round picks. Like future first round picks, maybe. But like, but you're right. Matt Ryan in Cleveland or Indianapolis is like a, a surefire. I'm we could we could actually get a good end of Matt Ryan's career rather than him being on a rebuilding team that's going nowhere. Because Matt Ryan staying in Atlanta is like if Matthew Stafford had stayed in Detroit. It's just you're rebuilding again with a guy who's on his last legs. It's it's disappointing. Uh, <laughs> it's not gonna happen, but. Why the hell would the Raiders keep Derek Carr at this point? Why, why do you say that? Do you think he's bad? Be, no, because you have Russell, Herbert, and Mahomes now in your division. Mm. So you're saying just give up? At best. Well, you just you got to get worse before you get better, I think. I don't think they stand a chance, let alone like their, their playoff odds are really low because the conference looks in great shape. You're going to have a really hard time winning your division game. So at best, you got to go borderline undefeated outside of your division, which is just not going to happen. Just to make, just to what, sneak in as a seven seed with Derek Carr as your quarterback? Like, where is this going? You know what I'm saying? Like, trade Derek Carr, get it. I think you get two firsts for Derek Carr, or you get Indy's second in the first next year or something like that. And, uh, Maybe you suck a year and you end up with Bryce Young, you know? So maybe the only good option, the only good future for the Raiders is to get a Justin Herbert, Josh Allen, generational talent type quarterback, like a Caleb Williams at USC, something like that. Because otherwise... Yeah, or or to build a great core, like collect assets and get a much better team. Because their team's fine, but it, they don't have like this super team that's like a quarterback away, you know? So like... Admit that you're not going to win the next two years and either try to hit rock bottom and get a, a, a great quarterback or build up a great O-line, a great defense that maybe you can get a different quarterback that could compete with that situation. There's a couple problems, I think, with that, because I, I like what you're saying. One thing is that there's no end in sight where the division is bad because Mahomes is so young, you know, <laughs> um, Herbert's so young. Russell Wilson's not anywhere near the end of his career. So, like, we're looking at at least six more years of the other three teams in the league in your conference have better quarterbacks than you, right? If Russ goes six more years, which I think is possible. Um, and then 
I, I just I don't know that you can convince your brand new head coach to get rid of your quarterback. Like, who? Why would Josh McDaniel sign up for? I just got here. Let's go be dog shit. Like, I'm gonna look great. I know because we're not gonna win for two years. Like, he's not going for that. So he's got to do the best he can. And Derek Carr gives him a better chance to win than somebody else or being bad for two years. So there's no way they're getting rid of him. I would think just because you got to convince the coach to go along with it. Counterpoint. Okay. If you're Josh McDaniels, you know you're heading towards getting fired in three years <laughs> if you don't yeah. do this. Yeah. And, yeah, the Chiefs look scary now, but Kelsey and Hill won't be there in three or four years. Mm. Russell Wilson will be 38 years old. All you got to do is take down the Chargers. Well, I'm not going to say all you got to do, but I'm just sure. saying if you, if you increase your ceiling to the point where you actually have a really good roster, you've collected all these picks, you've drafted well, and maybe you do get a Bryce Young or you get a top quarterback – you come back in three years and you actually have a chance. They have no chance right now. They are going to, at best, make the playoffs once or twice and lose in the first round. Like, where is this going if you're the Raiders at this point? Well, yeah, because probably they're going to have three playoff teams in their division. They're not going to have four. You can do it now. <laughs> it's not it can possible. happen now. It's not going to happen. You could, but you're telling me that – so like, look around the AFC, right? You have – the Bills and Patriots, or the who else is going to the the Ravens and the Bengals? Like every division has two teams that are playoff teams potentially. Well, just the AFC North alone. Like, I think the Browns are going to surprise some people next year. I think I obviously the Bengals and Ravens aren't going anywhere. It's hard to picture one of them not getting a wild card next year. I think the Steelers, if they get a, a quarterback, are definitely a better team than the Raiders. Who knows if the Jags figure their stuff out? Like, Here's something exciting is the thought of Derek Carr finally on a good football team. Like, He's been on very average to mediocre football teams, and I think he's a better quarterback than people realize. I'm not saying he's, he's not Justin Herbert or Josh Allen, but I think he's better than we've seen because he's never been on a great football team. Him with the Colts defense and with a great running game and a good offensive line, I mean, that— that's a playoff team, the Colts with Derek Carr. And so it, maybe forget the Raiders, but if you like Derek Carr, which I do, and I want to see him do well and be on a good football team, I would be elated to see him on the Colts. I mean, that would be awesome. But what can what can the Colts give up to get Derek Carr? A bunch of future first-round picks? I mean, what? I think you give up a two. You give up the three you got from Washington that can become a two if Wentz, the, it's the future t- it's probably it's probably a two and a three this year. Hmm. Yeah, uh, maybe a two and a four this year. The pick that can become a two next year from Washington, and your first next year. I would take that if I was the Raiders. Oh, yeah, I'd ask for one more if I'm the Raiders because you're you're giving up your quarterback to do a full rebuild, and. I, I mean, you could argue Seattle didn't get enough to rebuild their football team. And, man, if you're, if you're not going to have a quarterback, you'd better be set to build your football team. And really, you're going to build that core. you got to actually have the picks to build that core. One first-round pick for your franchise quarterback ain't sounding good to me. I'm, I'm like, I want two. I'm, I'm greedy. Like, I really – if you're going to screw me over. Yeah, so go after the 20 – it'd be in three drafts. You get their one. So you get their next two ones – and they're two this year? I guess. Sure. Yeah. 
something. Because I, if I'm gonna, if I'm gonna give, if I'm gonna give up my next couple of years, I want to feel good about my next yes. couple of years in the draft. Yeah, I feel Fair. like I'm getting good players and building yeah. a core. So yeah, I don't know. It's okay. How about how about Russ, man? I. You know, I can't believe it's funny. Drew, I was so excited. We were talking about how, like, hey, Jordan Love could go to Seattle, and they traded for Drew Locke. And is Drew Locke the guy in Seattle? Like, they're gonna try. It seems like, but I think Seattle should still try to get Jordan Love instead of Drew Locke. I don't. I don't think Drew Locke has the work ethic to, or like the maturity. Like, you see how he posts on Instagram. You see who he is as a person. Not, not attacking him. That's not my franchise quarterback. Yeah. Like, it is so hard to know what the hell. They're because they're not rebuilding, right? Like Pete Carroll's 70. They asked for Shelby Harris, who's like a 30-year-old defensive tackle. Um, I think they really want Watson, maybe. That's I think they're they're hoping that's plan A, and then we'll see what plan B is. I don't know if they would draft like someone or or what, but I really don't think they're rebuilding. But at the same time, they cut Bobby Wagner. I think they're so, rebuilding, man. I have no idea. Maybe Wagner just was like, I got to get out of here, man. Please release me. And it was like the J.J. Watt thing. They just but, respect him and we're trying to give him a solid. Yeah. Well, not, It sounds like they probably couldn't trade anything for him, too. That, I would imagine they tried to trade him and couldn't. And they're like, this guy wants out. Let's go. Let him end his career somewhere yeah. where he can win. Like, out of respect, yeah. even. The teams that he would have wanted to go to probably couldn't keep his his contract and would be my guess but yeah i they're they're in such a weird like if i'm a seahawks fan i'm just so pissed like if you're gonna trade your quarterback like that at least be like the lions when you trade stafford and like have the plan in place like we got a new coach we're gonna be patient we're gonna build up the old line like we're gonna understand that this is a rebuild the seahawks it's like you're in this weird window. It just makes no sense at all for them. I, I don't get it. Well, if you're rebuilding, you got to get rid of everyone. I think too. I mean, like if if you're over, what do they have to get rid of? <laughs> Jamal Adams. Genuine question. I guess Jamal Adams. They just gave him a huge extension. Yeah, and and how valuable is he? Does anybody want Jamal Adams? Like really? No, I mean, not I, on that deal. He's a linebacker think. playing safety. <laughs> yeah, I mean DK Metcalf, but I. Why would you trade DK He's young. Metcalf? You're keeping him. Yeah. Why would Give you trade Tyler DK Lockett? Me- maybe. Yeah. It's a mess. <sighs> Man. Yeah. It is a mess. And DK Metcalf's production is going to go way down with Drew Locke throwing him the football. Like people don't realize how much Russ made DK Metcalf look really good. And not that DK Metcalf isn't really good, but it helps have a, a Hall of Fame quarterback throwing you the football. I mean, the drop off from Russ throwing him the ball to Drew Locke is going to be brutal. Oh man. I mean, Russ is. The what makes Russ Russ is he's probably the best deep ball thrower ever, at least as far as accuracy and like touch. That moon ball is beautiful. Yeah, the moon balls. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So yeah. like that pairing was was incredible. Yeah, I, I. So Denver's a Super Bowl contender, right? I mean, there's no reason you make the move without that being the expectation. Mm-hmm. Yep, I think they have um, a little bit of work to do in free agency. I would say just like defensively. I think that defense has gotten pretty washed out. So I do think Vaughn comes back, which is really cool, because they got a second rounder for him just to, like, rent him. And I think it's super likely that he comes back now, which is just – I just that's just, like, 3D chess by George Payton, the GM there. Um, so I think – Well, the Rams didn't care, though, because the Rams are like, we got money to spend. We, we, all we want to do is the Super Bowl. We don't care about the future. Yeah. 
Exactly. Exactly. Um, so yeah, I think Denver, you gotta, you gotta figure out that number two edge spot, which I think will probably be Vaughn. I think you need to figure out your middle linebacker situation because both their starters are impending free agents. You have to get, um, I think they probably bring Bryce Callahan back. He's their slot corner. They have a big hole at slot corner. So I think you got to bring him back. So you got to work that out and then, uh, figure out like, uh, another safety, whether, whether it's, um, counting on the guys they drafted last year or or going after like a Tyron Matthew or really splashing for like a Marcus Williams or something like that. Um, they have some work to do in free free agency before they're like top three team in the NFL, but they're definitely already in the Super Bowl picture. Do you think Russ is actually better than, not only probably cheaper in trade value than Aaron Rodgers would have been, because I think the fact he only gave up two first rounders for Russ is pretty good and he's younger. I, I think Russ... So what? How old is Russ? Thirty three, I believe. Let me look it up. I think I think he's thirty three or thirty four. I was gonna guess. I was gonna guess thirty four. Let's look it up. But my 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 idea is that Russ might have actually been better long term for Denver than trading for Aaron Rodgers, who's potentially closer to the end of his career and probably more expensive. Like the, the Packers weren't getting rid of Aaron for like anything less than probably three first rounders. I mean, they were, I think they were going to be like the price is really high. I mean, maybe not because if he wants out, he wants out. But I mean, I. I I think I think I would rather get Rodgers because 33. Yeah. So here's the deal with Russ. Like he has dropped off like the last couple of years. I think he doesn't have that safety net of like he can get out of any sack. Like when he was in his like late 20s, like you couldn't you couldn't sack the guy. And he's not like a great guy in structure. He's really not. And the Seahawks kind of knew that. That's kind of why they did run the ball on earlier downs. Like, if you look at Russ in the quick game, early early down dropbacks, he's a very average to even below average quarterback. Uh, whether it's his processing or his height or whatever it is, that's just not his game. I think the Seahawks were kind of right in a way of like, let's get him a play action offense where he can launch it down the field. We'll run the ball well. It just it just didn't work out. Um. So I, I just think Rodgers is a much better player than Russ at this point. And I think there's a chance that Rodgers is better in three years still than Russ is in three years. I think there's a chance Russ continues to kind of drop off. I don't – I'm not saying it's going to happen, but I think it's it's close. I, I still would rather have Rodgers because he is a much better quarterback than Russ. Um, and there's – I think Rodgers can play in, into his 40s like Brady did. Not not till forty five, but well, he doesn't rely on his athletic ability either. I mean, he he's not he's not juking people out and making crazy spin moves and reversing field and stuff. Like he can move. Let's not get that wrong. Yeah. But he's not relying on athleticism the same way Russ's play style does. Yeah, Russ plays like Kyler Murray, and Kyler Murray's twenty three, twenty four, something like that. Yeah, like, yeah, thirty three. You're not going to do that. Rogers kind of had that. In in twenty seventeen, when Lafleur got there, Rogers kind of had that realization that his physical t- like he Rodgers used to be like that too he really did but Rodgers really like became a really effective like quick game quarterback he's been getting rid of the ball much better he's been just a better surgeon from the pocket and I don't know if Russ at his height and what he's shown to this point is ever going to do that he certainly could but I don't I don't know if he's going to do that Rodgers is already 
become a better pocket player. But I mean, look, Denver's Denver's popping champagne either way. Let's be honest. So. <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm really so excited to watch. We get to see Herbert versus Wilson twice a year, Mahomes versus Wilson twice a year, and Mahomes versus Herbert twice a year. Like, that division is unbelievable. It's going to be so much fun. It's good for football, frankly. I mean, it's going to be awesome. Oh. <laughs> I'm a fucking idiot. <laughs> so guys, my, my laptop died because I'm a, a massive idiot. I moved my laptop over here to, to have you on my on my right, and uh, I forgot the cord. So we lost a recording for like, I don't know, five minutes, whatever. Well, and guess what just happened uh, in those five minutes? <laughs> yeah, tell the people what happened. It's insane. Khalil Mack to the Chargers. Do we know what for? What's the... It's a bless... Uh, I- it's it's in the early reporting stages, but uh, I'm sure. What is thirty? Probably a first, right? Probably the seventeenth pick. Bears don't have a first because of them. They traded up for Fields, so yeah, I think they yeah probably seventeen. Probably that's it. It's probably just seventeen. Would would probably do it. Oh man, Bosa. <laughs> Oh, Bosa and... I know, Bosa and Khalil Mack. Oh. Well, the, the Chargers are like, well, we're going to have Russell Wilson in our conference. We have to get after the quarterback, I guess, right? Like, Well, and guess who was in Chicago when the Bears traded for him? Who? Brandon Staley. Oh, that's right. That's when he had his best year. Oh, my gosh. That's going to be amazing. Oh, man. Oh, that's that division, dude. We were just talking about it. It's an unbelievable what division. What the hell? The Raiders gotta get out. I'm telling you, man. Khalil Mack is back. You gotta, you gotta run and hide, man. He's gonna kill you. <laughs> run and hide. He is going to murder you. He's gonna, he's gonna just. Okay, I'm not gonna say he's gonna end Derek Carr's career, but he is going to probably sack Derek Carr, <laughs> run up to your front office, and like break all the windows because he's gonna be so mad. Imagine playing your old team if you're Khalil Mack. Like how excited he is to do that. Yeah. The team that traded him away. Oh my god. Well what about what if Bobby Wagner goes to like Kansas City too? That's I thought about that. I'm sure Bobby Wagner would love to hit Russell Wilson. Like that's usually what happens. Like you have a defensive guy who played with a quarterback forever. They're like, I've always wanted to hit that mother effer. I finally get to yeah. do it. I would not be shocked yeah. if Bobby Wagner goes to like Kansas City or something. Maybe the Chargers. I, I bet he actually I bet he actually goes back to Denver. You think so? If I'm being honest. Because yeah. they they like I said, they need a middle linebacker. Mm, yeah, he fits, fills the need. Yep, and he gets, I, I don't think he's as loyal to Russ as people would assume. No. I'm sure he actually would love to hit Russ. <laughs> yeah, because you for years practice against the guy. You're like, all I want to <laughs> do is take this guy out. <laughs> totally. <laughs> no man, the Raiders. So I feel bad for Josh McDaniels at this point because he took the job and has watched this division. Just, I mean, he's looking at the bottom of a mountain, looking up. Now he used to be on that mountain, and now he's like, I got no prayer. <sighs> He should just do what he did to Indy and just <laughs> do it again. I'm going back to I'm going back to New England, boys. Good luck. And <laughs> five years, I'll be the head coach in New England. And I wouldn't anyway, blame right? him so. this time. I would not blame him this time. <laughs> oh man, that's gold. He, he's got to be like just he ready to pack it up, man. I feel so bad for him. Like <sighs> he's in a no win scenario. Cool. You keep Derek Carr, you're going to lose. You get rid of Derek Carr, you're going to be eat shit for years and be horrible. You're not going to be the coach for whoever's yeah. next because they're going to get. You don't have a ten-year contract Ugh, like Gruden did. I know. I mean, 
Dude, screw it. His reputation's already tainted. Just get out of there. Is it too late to back Nobody, out? A lot of Raiders fans don't even believe in him because he was so bad as the Broncos head coach. Like, right? Belichick could probably take him back. God, and that's just another another slap in the face. Like he's got to look at Denver with all this. Oh man, what, who was he working with? Tebow? Yeah, in Denver. Yeah, Tebow and uh, and Paxton Lynch. <laughs> oh my gosh, <laughs> didn't he draft Tebow? Or did, I can't remember. I thought he did. I I don't remember how that played out. I don't either. I feel like Tebow was there when they got Peyton. No, no, that would have been a thing. That would have been a no. no Osweiler was the backup. Yeah, it, it wasn't. I, he was a first round oh pick, which God. is ridiculous. I can't believe that. That's like, and, and also Brock Osweiler was picked ahead yep. of Russell Wilson. Yep. That's terrible. Anyway, back to Khalil Mack. I mean, this destruction. So the Chargers, I think, are. They just missed the playoffs barely. I think they lost to like Miami towards the end of the year, I believe. And that it was really, the Raiders. No, it was it was Houston. Remember they lost to Houston oh, towards the end yep. of the year. And you're like, where did that come mm-hmm. from? Like, what? How is that possible? So, man, that division's crazy. The Chargers are making a playoff push, and if they don't, oh my gosh! It, I mean, it's not even just make the playoffs. Like, if they don't go on a run, like it's going to be a disappointment. Like, yeah. they have all this cap space. Although they just signed Mike Williams, getting Khalil Mack, they're they're not going to have as much as they originally did. But what else do they need though? Now, like they got their a great receiving core, a gr- incredible defensive line, a good offensive line, a star quarterback, Derwin James, like Austin Eckler. Like they're actually loaded. I mean, they were loaded last year. Now they're even better. Yeah, they need to fix the right side of their line. I think they cut Ryan Belaga, who's played like four games in two years for them. So they need a right guard and right tackle, which really did hurt them. Um, Could they sign Eric Fisher? Because it sounds like he's not going to stick mm-hmm. around in Indy. Yeah, that'd be an option. Um, yeah, I mean, what if they got, like, Teron Armstead from New Orleans? That'd be crazy. But, yeah, I think I do think they need, like, to get better and run defense, like, up the middle. Like, that's why they lost to the Texans. They couldn't stop freaking uh, – yeah. Is Danny Woodhead? No, not Danny Woodhead. Um, who's the other? Rex, Bur- Rex Burkhead. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Rex Burkhead. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The old Patriot. They couldn't stop Rex Burkhead. I think he ran for like 150 on him, and they lost. Um, yeah. So yeah. Th- Rex Burkhead was the Texans' leading rusher, actually, believe it or not. God. <laughs> with, like, with like 400 yards, by the way. Like, not, not a great year. <laughs> you can't you, – you trade, you trade DeAndre Hopkins for David Johnson, and you can't even make David Johnson your leading rusher. <laughs> How sad is that? <laughs> Bill O'Brien hates Houston, man. <laughs> he was just sabotaging them as Freaking much as he could. Rex Burkhead is a better running back than David Johnson, who they traded DeAndre Hopkins for. Ah! <laughs> That's insane. How do you not laugh? Is that one of the all-time worst trades? Yeah. yeah it's yeah. got to be, right? Like One of the all-time like worst trades ever in NFL history. Just... What are you thinking with that trade? Like it was, it was Bill O'Brien didn't like Hopkins. That's what it was. I don't know. I don't know. Oh, man, what's even crazier is like, I saw you tweeted something that I love, and I, I actually stole it shamelessly. You because I was like, you pointed something out. You said that, man, the Cowboys really are cutting Amari Cooper because they're overpaying Ezekiel Elliott. Like the insanity of paying a running back. He's an eighteen million dollar, a little more than eighteen million dollar salary cap hit next year for the Cowboys. And as a result, they can't yeah. keep... Well, they didn't just pay Zeke. <laughs> they didn't just pay Zeke. They let him hold out in Cabo, get out of shape with three years left on his contract, and then pay him. 
they let him hold them hostage. Yeah, Jerry Jones, man. Why? Yeah. Oh my gosh, he needs to hire a GM and get the heck out of there. You see the news today, by the way. He might have a daughter. I don't know. We don't need to talk about it, but it's kind of like that sounds real. Like that's the billionaire shit right there. Like, <laughs> does not surprise me. Does not surprise me. Mm-hmm. I've heard some stories. I've heard some stories about Jerry Jones. Yeah, there's there's pictures of him with women, like yeah. g- dating back years, like. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, oh my gosh. Yeah, I think Jerry Jones is the problem in, in Dallas. They're not going to win a Super Bowl, right? I mean, they've got McCarthy. Yeah. They've got a yes man coach. They've got an I think a little bit overpaid quarterback in Dak Prescott. They're massive overpaying their running back. They can't get their team together. They're making a lot of sentimental decisions with their roster because they have a an owner playing GM trying to. Yeah, they, <sighs> good. Their only saving grace is the NFC doesn't look as good next year, but. Yeah, it's it's not looking good. Yeah. That's for sure. Yeah, man, it's I don't know. You got anything else? Uh, that was fun. I just like talking football, man. Um, I, I got one thing if you want. I got time. I I've become the guy because I, I I put the word wrong in a bunch of my titles on YouTube. Like I I try to always talk about when I'm wrong. I think yeah. it's kind of fun to like just be like I kind of roast myself. If no one else is gonna do it, I might as well do it, right? Like I picked the Eagles to go three and fourteen and then went nine and eight made the playoffs. I'm like, well, I was dead wrong, right? And I hate when I put that video out. Hey, they didn't beat a winning team. They I didn't beat a winning team, so you weren't. They totally lost wrong. to Tampa twice. They <laughs> lost to the Cowboys twice. They lost to the Chargers. They lost to Kansas City. Um, there's one other team. Uh, like they, yeah, they lost. They didn't. Yeah, they lost all these good teams and didn't beat anybody. But still, like I, I thought they were going to be awful, and I was just wrong. And it's fun to like put out a video yeah. saying like I was wrong about blank. Right? You get a lot of views. It's good to own that stuff. Mm-hmm. And I hate that when I do that, people are like, yeah. this guy's always wrong about everything. I'm like, no, everyone's wrong about everything. I'm just the guy who talks about it. Like, I'm, I own it. I try to be. Yeah. That kills right. me. Yep. <laughs> I know. I, I like to put my – I do my, like, weekly picks, and I like to put my record up. Because I feel like most people that do their picks don't actually put the record up. So you can see, like, yeah, I was – like, I'll own it. Like, yeah, I was dead wrong. Like, the Bills killed the Chiefs. Like, I picked the Chiefs. But, hey – Records right there. Like I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm not all wrong all the time. You know what's funny? I don't know. I caught a, a clip of Stephen A. Smith this morning. Can we can we end the show by talking about Stephen A. Smith a little bit? Sure. <laughs> I, I I saw I saw that show and like the co-host literally like fell out of his chair because something was going wrong, and Stephen A. Smith starts laughing. And then you see him like go back in a performance mode and start screaming like like a like a little yappy dog, and you're like, bro, you're not. That's not real. Like you're just yelling because you know it's good television. Like I just like I. Or, um, oh my gosh, I don't understand. Uh, who's the the other guy that's been making all the, the former player Acho? Oh my gosh, is it Acho? Yeah. Emmanuel Acho. He had the the is it race or ratio? Did you see that bit? No. That's insane. Oh my god. I mean, it's it's he doesn't even really get into the the like racial topic or whatever, but it's just it's such an absurd. You have to look it up when it's done cuz the people that that saw it, that heard me bring it up, they're like, "Oh yeah, that was just bizarre." He's like I I don't even know what it was, like the numbers that he was using. But it's he is just such a freaking hot take artist. It is disturbing. And I think he's the same guy that um, showed the clips of of Calvin Ridley like running backwards after the catch and was like, I think Calvin Ridley was throwing games. 
<laughs> ESPN is just not what it used Do, to be. Have you seen um, uh, Emmanuel Chilling's at Fox? Because I, I there was a, a clip then. of because I think he's on, I think he's on Speak for Yourself. Anyway, there was there was a Twitter beef where Emmanuel Chilling's brother. Maybe you're thinking of his brother, who I think does work for ESPN. Potentially, yeah. So Emmanuel Cho and then his brother. His brother works for ESPN. Emmanuel Cho works for Fox. Emmanuel Cho's brother said, like, Patrick Mahomes is not a top five quarterback in the NFL. And Doug Gottlieb called him an idiot. And then Emmanuel Cho came after Doug Gottlieb saying, like, don't attack my brother. It's like, but your brother has a bad take. Like, <laughs> like, like I'm, I'm sorry, but I'm, Patrick Mahomes not being a top five quarterback in the NFL is insanity. Like, you're just wrong. There's no way to go about it. You're just wrong. Yeah. I don't know. Yep. <laughs> I don't know. What are we even doing? Dude, big, I love you so much. Map. Yeah. I, I <laughs> that don't was know. really I, fun, man. We, the sports media is so weird. Like, I, there's no journalism anymore. People just yell at each other. Like, I don't know. I don't know. That's why this is gold, man. I think people are going to love. Well, I, I like this stuff. We're on this. YouTube. This we don't have a boss. Real, yeah, We can, exactly. like, be, get into stuff and yep. go long form. Um, so, dude, when are you coming to Minnesota? September. Like, seriously, I'll be there. September. All right. Yeah, I'm going. I'm spending we're, a week. We're going to set up in my backyard. Yeah. We're going to grab a six pack and let's just talk. Football I can't wait. Let's record it. That'll be so fun. I, I, yeah. That'll be amazing. I got a yard. I now. really prefer. <laughs> I, I actually hate doing it remotely. Like I, I want to like shake your hand and like be in the room and like actually like not have a weird delay or anything and not be sure if you're going to talk. Like I, yeah. I, I, I miss recording. Not have a laptop. Uh, <laughs> yeah, get, die. Because uh, I didn't plug it in. Down in the middle of the recording. <laughs> No, man, it's awesome. You know, if, if I may, I, I thought the Calvin Ridley thing made total sense. They had to come down hard. You can't have a player betting on, on games. You just People were like, yeah. you can have the debate about should Ray Rice have been punished more? Should this have been punished? Like, that's a different conversation. But you, if a player's gambling in your league, you, you come down as hard as you possibly can on the guy and set an example that that's not acceptable and not okay. Exactly. I was, I was more stunned by the public reaction to that than I was by the Russell Wilson trade. Like, how is it not a consensus opinion that you can't have players gambling on games? Like, period. I Like, yeah, you should be coming down harder on domestic violence, absolutely. But it doesn't mean, uh, it doesn't mean Ridley should get less. Yeah, they're different like, conversations, completely. You can't have that. There's no, the risk-reward is, the risk is up here and the reward is, like, way down here. Like, he's paid handsomely to play in the NFL. He does not need to be gambling on games and having people on Twitter posting clips of him, like, running backwards and be like, see, he was throwing games. <laughs> you, you can't. <laughs> well, it hurts. The potential for ruining right. the credibility of the league is too high. Like, you, you just cannot. It's not unacceptable yeah. completely. People, people are going, it's $1,500. It's like, no, dude, when you get to the league, they tell you over and over and over again, you yeah. cannot gamble. Like it's they're very clear. Uh, I was a, a ticket sales guy or a season ticket uh, membership guy for the Timberwolves, and like the first day I walked in the building, every new employee that came in that day, there was like a seminar. I was like, "This is why you can't bet on sports. You have to sign this contract. If you bet on an NBA game, you're fired immediately. Your contract is terminated." And every NFL player is the same thing. Like you know the rules. Like what are you doing, Ridley? Like what a Oh, dingus. <laughs> so my my theory on this is actually, and I look. Um, let's be clear about one thing. My my brother committed suicide. Mental health is a real thing. Yeah. If you're struggling, go get help. I, I yeah. am not trying to make a light of someone having a, a, a mental health crisis or having a hard time. 
However, I've watched a lot of Ray Donovan. I've watched the TV show Flack on Amazon Prime, which is all about, like, spinning PR to kind of save your reputation, your public opinion. And if you say you're having a mental health problem, that's kind of untouchable. Like, you can't criticize that. It's very possible. I don't know the timeline, and people say it was after, but who really knows? It's very possible that his agent got word that he gambled $1,500 and was like, you better sit out right now because they're going to maybe ban you for life. And at least now he can say, well, I'm out all of next year, and I took all of half of last year off. So maybe he was trying to get ahead of it and kind of sit himself down early to kind of maybe lessen the blow. That's a conspiracy theory. I mean, that's a real, like, deep topic, like, dark topic that probably has a lot of potential truth to it that it just – you can't really go any further than that, <laughs> like, yeah. because of the mental health yeah, thing, you, which is very real. Yeah. But yeah, Have you ever I mean, watched Ray Donovan? No, I haven't. Oh, dude, he's a fixer in L.A. And the show is about, like, celebrities and athletes coming to him like, hey, I, blah, blah, blah happened. There's this bad picture of me that's going to incriminate me or there's this or there's that or I caught with this or I caught with that. And he comes in and – solves the problem with whatever tactic wow. he needs to make and that does exist like there are people that do that in real life that's one of his tactics i mean yeah you break laws say this i mean uh, you should watch ray donovan or watch flack on amazon prime it's the same premise of like how okay. can we use pr or make a thing that is indefensible so we can save ourselves publicly and i don't mm. look i that's i'm way out there i realize that yeah i mean but but it's a little convenient that the guy who took half a year off also gets in trouble for, like, you know, I don't know. Yep, definitely. I don't know, man. Um, dude, I love you so much. So much going on. Yeah. So much going on. That was super fun. Yeah. I, uh, thank you for coming on. Thanks um, for having me. When am I doing your show? I think, I think we agreed, next but week. I can't remember exactly. Next week. Yeah, we, we got to figure out exactly what uh, we want to do. I'm going to be doing a live, like, free agent reactions um, stream. So if you want to do that, or we could just uh, have you on to the, the podcast as well. So we're definitely going to make it happen next week. I'll hop on with anything, man. I, I feel like I owe you at least yeah. one, maybe two. <laughs> You've come on my show so many yeah. times. I've never been on yours. I think this is number three. So yeah, I, I owe you like three then. I think you got to You're actually. You're actually gonna just. You're just gonna. You're working for me next week. Okay. I'm gonna right. go to Hawaii, and you're gonna come to Minnesota. <laughs> you you can't get me to agree to that. Minnesota sounds cold. People are ice fishing there. Like we have regular fishing where you like throw the pole in the water that's warm and nice. You guys are like mm-hmm. drilling holes through the water to like get to the water. Like, no, thank you. Yep. <laughs> I think we're over thirty today, maybe. Oh wow. Okay. So yeah. almost freeze, almost above freezing. Things are looking up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Go look up Mav, uh, and he he'll like camp in his truck when it's like negative eighteen degrees, and you're like, I don't even understand. Like, I, I'm not doing that. I'm gonna be in Florida. Like, I'm <laughs> I'm avoiding the winter. With gas prices the way they're at now, that's that's like more expensive than living in a house. <laughs> yeah, you, you're maybe not wrong. Unfortunately, I can't control the gas prices. But um, <laughs> anyway, man, I, I'm gonna end it here. I love you so much. Thank you for coming on, and uh, you're the best. Have a great day. Thank you so much. Yeah, have a great day. We'll see you next week. All right, take care, y'all.